This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor of Education Next. This past month, Education Next released the results from its 11th annual survey of a representative sample of over 4,000 members of the American public with oversamples of parents and teachers. In the survey, Education Next asked the public, parents, and teachers about their assessment of the teaching profession. Specifically, we asked the share of teachers at their local school if the teachers were excellent, what percentage were excellent, what percentage were good, satisfactory, and what percentage were unsatisfactory. To talk about the responses that we received to this question, I have with me today Education Next's Editor-in-Chief, Martin West. Marty, thanks for joining me on the Education Exchange. Great to be here, Paul. So, Marty, why did Education Next ask the public, parents, and teachers to rate the quality of teachers at their local school? Where did this idea come from? Overhauling teacher evaluation systems has been a major focus of education reform over the past eight or so years. It's been uh, arguably the top priority of the Obama administration through its race to the top in state waiver programs. Um, And it reflects concerns that prior evaluation systems did a very poor job of discriminating between more effective and less effective teachers. Uh, They really didn't discriminate at all because the vast majority of teachers received a rating of satisfactory and the only other option was unsatisfactory, which almost no one received. And so a lot of Uh, Blood and uh, sweat has been spilt trying to uh, change that picture, try and provide a more accurate reflection of uh, the performance of American teachers. And one of the things we've found uh, is that in most states that have undertaken these efforts, there hasn't been much of a change in the distribution of ratings that teachers are are receiving. And in particular, while there might be a bit more discrimination at the high end of the effectiveness spectrum, there has been no real change in the share of teachers that are deemed unsatisfactory. So it's sort of interesting to try and ask the public what they think about the quality of teachers in the communities that, they're, uh, that they reside in, as well as the teachers themselves about what they think of their peers um, as a way of providing a rough benchmark for maybe what evaluation systems should be telling us. Well, um that's very helpful. Uh, what I'm wondering, though, is uh, why did you select the four categories, excellent, good, satisfactory, and unsatisfactory? Is that the ratings that they are? Obama administration is saying are the desirable ones? Well, the uh, states were required to adopt uh, evaluation systems that had multiple performance categories, or they couldn't be binary. I believe they did have to have at least four categories. And the states that have gone down this path, and it's a you know majority of states, uh, nearly 40 or more, um, uh, have either used a four-category system or a five-category system. Uh, the specific words that they use varies a lot from uh, one state to the next. Sometimes they have a little bit of a, um, I don't know, edu-speak uh, tone to them. But uh, we decided to use four categories with words that are used in some of the evaluation systems, but sort of would clearly be understandable by the public as to what we meant. So excellent, good, satisfactory, and unsatisfactory. And so we were interested in seeing what share of the teaching workforce 
respondents would place into each of those four buckets. Well, let's start with the good news. Uh, what percentage of the teaching force is excellent, according to the general public? About a quarter. Uh, and for teachers, it's about a third. And I actually think that the overall results suggest a public that's broadly satisfied with the quality of the teachers that they uh, have in their local schools. So, so if you combine if excellent I combine and good? Excellent and good. Uh, um, let's see, I have to do some math on my feet here. I believe you get to 58%. Uh, so certainly a majority of teachers identified in one of those two categories. Another 28% are deemed satisfactory enough. Um, so overall, again, I think the picture is broadly favorable. Um, but the public does identify a substantial share as unsatisfactory. So 15% of teachers, on average, the public reports uh, are unsatisfactory. And even among teachers who have uh, an even more favorable view of teacher quality overall than does the public, even among teachers, 11% on average uh, is what they identify as ineffective. So uh, is this, you know, is this, just because they're reacting to national stories about the educational system or or do you think that they are really talking talking here about their local schools that they, is this based on some informed understanding of what's happening in their own school system it's a it's a good question i think one way we could get at that a little bit is by comparing the views of the public as a whole to those of parents uh who presumably have more direct or more recent interaction with the school system. And we see parents having a slightly more favorable view of, uh, of teacher quality. But parents identify an equally large share as the general public, 14%, as compared to 15% for the public as a whole, as ineffective. So parents are slightly more favorable overall, but really still do identify a substantial share of teachers as uh, not ineffective, rather, but unsatisfactory. So... Uh, 14% of parents, 11% of teachers. The, right, 14% for parents. So parents on average say 14% yeah, of teachers. Yeah, parents say 14% of teachers are unsatisfactory. Teachers themselves say 11%. The rating systems come in from at 1% to 3%. So now you, maybe this is just the difference between having the responsibility of actually formally evaluating a teacher and giving an off-the-cuff response to a survey? Well, here's right as we were uh, writing up the results of this survey, I came across a new paper by uh, some friends, Jason Grissom at v Vanderbilt University and Susanna Loeb at Stanford University, who had done this really neat survey of 100 principals in Dade County, Florida, so in Miami. And what they did is they had principals complete a confidential survey about the teachers in their school, so just a low-stakes uh, evaluation. And the principals rated 15% on average of the teachers in their buildings as ineffective, exactly the same that we see the public rating as so unsatisfactory the public looks pretty, on survey. Hey, pretty smart here all um, of a sudden. But those same principals, this was what was neat about the study, they were able to link uh, – uh, up to the administrative data system of the district to see what principals were assigning as the rating to those very same teachers that they had evaluated in the low-stakes system. And there, only 3% of teachers on average were identified as ineffective. And so it does seem to be the case that in a evaluation setting in which stakes are attached, 
that principals appear to be quite reluctant to assign very low ratings uh, on an evaluation. So what's the policy significance of this? Does this have any meaning, or is this just sort of a random fact out there? Well, I don't think we can take the public's evaluation of teachers on our survey as the gospel truth and say that 15% of teachers need to go. Um, But I do think, especially when you look at these results alongside those of uh, the Grissom and Loeb work that I just referred to and what we're seeing just state after state in the very low shares of teachers who are being identified as unsatisfactory or ineffective, that it does suggest that we may need to find ways if we're going to rely on teacher evaluation systems to drive improvement in teacher quality to eliminate barriers to make it easier for teachers to, or for principals rather, or other evaluators to assign ineffective uh, ratings. And I'm not sure exactly what that looks like. You could imagine, for example, rationing the uh, share of uh, effective ratings that they're able to give out. I'm not sure that that would work in practice. But it, it does tell me that this is going to be challenging to work out. Well, you know, I think there was a General Electric. At one time, the uh, CEO said, okay, I want you to identify 5% of your force each year who are performing at a low level, and we're going to dismiss them. Because if we can get rid of the bottom 5%, we can have a steadily improving uh, workforce. Now, uh, are you prepared to make uh, a a recommendation that's equally draconian? <laughs> I'm, I'm not, because I'm not sure how that would affect things like how attractive people would find the teaching profession to go into. Um, but, uh, and certainly if you add that in an ongoing way. But uh, look, I do think that there's plenty of evidence to suggest, both from you know direct studies of variation in teachers' value added to student achievement, uh, evidence from classroom observations and uh, other sources, that we do have uh, a problem in terms of teacher effectiveness at the bottom of the distribution, and we need to keep finding ways uh, to help teachers, especially early in their careers, uh, find an alternative if uh, they're not going to be effective in the classroom. Well, certainly the teacher is the most important factor in the school building that affects student performance, and if we can improve the quality of the teaching force, we are going to have a better educated population. Now, when you ask the American public about some ways of achieving that, they're uh, surprisingly uh, consistently in favor of pretty significant reforms. For example, they are uh, a substantial plurality favors merit pay for teachers. Uh, and a substantial plurality would like to end teacher tenure. So, um, you know, what is the hope that these kinds of reforms will uh, be uh, a possibility in the, in the coming years? Well, we've seen uh, plurality or even majority support for merit pay for some time now. And you mentioned that uh, we have plurality support this year. It's actually 46% of the public as a whole uh, that's in favor of merit pay as against 38% opposed. But that 46% is down nine percentage points since 2016. That's a big uh, change. Nine percentage points yeah, from very, in one year's time. A substantial change uh, that um, it could reflect that we no longer have a, a cheerleader on the uh, 
left of the political spectrum making the case uh, for that position in Washington, which I think President Obama uh, did do at various points in his time in office. Um, so we see a decline in support for that change. We also saw a increase in support for uh, maintaining teacher tenure. Um, so we had seen in the past several years rising levels of opposition to the concept of teacher tenure. Um, we still see broad opposition, 49% of the public opposed, um, but that is down some from last year. But the big thing to know about public opinion on these issues is that the public is far out of step with the views of teachers. So merit pay and teacher tenure are two issues where we see very large divides between the views of the public and the views of teachers who we oversample our sur in our survey to be able to look at uh, their views of what should be done. Uh, merit pay, for example, we have 46% of the public in favor, just 15% of teachers. 49% um, of the public is opposed to teacher tenure, 31% of teachers. So these are very large differences, and I think may speak to your original question about how likely it is that we're going to see uh, changes. So we have steadfast teacher opposition to tenure reform, to merit pay. We see declining public support for these initiatives, at least temporarily, uh, perhaps because the current administration is pushing choice rather than teacher quality, whereas the past administration was talking about teacher quality, and so you've got a different conversation out there. And meanwhile, the teachers are expressing their perspective very sharply and clearly. They don't want the teacher evaluation system to be too um, demanding. So, uh, yeah, there seems to be a cautious mood out there. Actually, the cautious mood includes teacher salaries. Uh, support for teacher salaries has slipped a bit. Uh, since uh, 2016. Uh, so even though the public may be uh, saying, okay, we don't want to challenge teacher tenure as much as before, uh, that doesn't mean they're necessarily thinking that uh, you know, the teachers are deserving a big increase in salary. No. Well, we find that 61% of the public, when we just ask them straight up, should teacher salaries be increased, uh, favor an increase, we, as we found in the past, find that that falls dramatically if before asking them that question, you first tell them what teachers are actually paid on average in their state. So you get 36% support rather than 61% support. Um, and so that reflects the fact that most Americans tend to understate the amount that teachers earn currently. So giving them that information makes them less enthusiastic about increases. It doesn't make them want to decrease teacher salaries. Almost no one is willing to admit that they want to see teacher salaries decrease. But it does push a lot of people into the category of saying things look about right. But you're right that uh, regardless of how you ask the question in the uninformed or the informed state, we do see some slippage in the share of the public that favors a uh, increase in teacher salaries. So I see. I feel like there's a conservative mood across the country, not conservative in the sense of uh, uh, right wing, but in the sense of let's keep things pretty much the way they are. There's a lot of findings in the poll that uh, are reflective of a sort of a mood of, okay, 
there's an awful lot of noise out there. Maybe we should just sort of hunker down. What, well, do, you, what do you think? I think we've just gone through an, area, an era, especially in the case of teacher policies, evaluation, compensation systems, and the like, where we had a uh, aggressive reform agenda driven largely uh, from the federal level. And as Chad Alderman, a former Obama administration official, has written in the pages of Education Next, um, this didn't go exactly as planned. It created a lot of backlash and like where we started the conversations, didn't seem to generate the payoff in terms of changes even to the evaluation ratings that were the focal point of uh, sort of the theory of action. And so we see people supporting local control yeah. at uh, a bigger role for local government, less role for the federal government than we saw just one year ago or two years ago. And so once again, we're seeing caution about big initiatives out there. Yeah, I wouldn't overstate it because again, we do see more of the public supporting than opposed to merit pay, more of them willing to challenge the uh, status quo when it comes to teacher tenure. But definitely, if you look across these items and the survey in the aggregate, I do think we see some uh, uh, tendency to switch, shift back in the favor of uh, respect for how things have been done traditionally. Well, thank you, Marty, for joining me today on Education Exchange. This has been a fascinating discussion of the uh, meaning of the Education X poll, the 11th poll. I'm looking forward to working with you on the 12th poll. Uh, stand by, all of you out there, for uh, a poll again in 2018. Uh, so thank you very much for joining me, Marty West. My pleasure. This is Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Uh, please join us again next Monday. We release the podcast every noon on the Education Next website and all other platforms that you could imagine.